Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Abuse is so complex. And oftentimes, you know, those who are choosing to use harm, the abuser, um, they want to make sure that they're keeping their their appearance really well. So they might say, yeah, let's have a conversation. Let's let's have counseling together. Let's do this together. And they're going to do whatever they can to charm their way through to prove that there's nothing wrong. So mm-hmm. there, it could go either way in those right. sorts of situations. Katie Schaumann is Pastor Paul's guest today as the two of them discuss the topic of domestic abuse and how we all can learn how to recognize and respond to victims, which might even be in our church. Welcome to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, I'm so glad you've joined us on Life Support. What we do on this program is we talk about issues that can be difficult, but we believe that Jesus steps into these difficult areas of our lives and bring redemption. And we want to educate people. We want to encourage you. We want to help you understand what's going on around you. And uh, it happens to be a perfect time for us to have our guest today. Katie Shellman is the Community Engagement Coordinator for Southern Valley Alliance. We're so glad to have you, Katie. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And it's an important month for you here. It is, yes. Tell me about that. Yes, so I work for a domestic abuse agency, Southern Valley Alliance, and October nationally is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So an awesome time to get out there and do exactly what your podcast does, raising awareness and providing some education. So when you talk about raising awareness, um, that implies that there is a lack of awareness um, <laughs> to this issue. Tell me a little bit about um, how many people are really tuned in to the extent of domestic violence and, sure. and how prevalent it is in our society. Yeah, well, that's that's really great. Um, domestic abuse is kind of new to the public eye. So maybe something that we've heard about or known of since the 80s, 70s. It's been a long, uh, around for a lot longer than that, but really in the public eye for a very short period of time. And so there's new studies being done every day about domestic abuse. So there's new things that we can share, new information that we can provide. Um, but it is not something that's commonly spoken about. So not a lot of people have a lot of knowledge. I think in the media, we know a lot of things about what physical abuse might look like. And more recently, especially throughout the pandemic, we have some information on what emotional abuse or financial abuse might look like, but abuse is much more complex. There are so many layers to it. And so really bringing that awareness of what are these things that we can be looking out for in our community, and then also sharing that it is extremely prevalent, which a lot of people think especially in Minnesota. There's a lot of great things about Minnesota Um, in our service area. So Southern Valley Alliance primarily serves Scott and Carver counties in Minnesota, which are the healthiest and wealthiest counties in the state. Hmm. So it's very commonly thought of if we live in a healthy and wealthy community, this isn't a problem that we have in our own backyard. Um, But actually, it's something that can happen anywhere, anytime. So really bringing that awareness that doesn't matter where you live or what you have in your bank account, this can happen anywhere. So what got you interested in this topic? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I actually have a degree in fine arts, which is drastically different than working in human services. Yeah, and you're a musician. I'm a musician as well, yes. So that's kind of what I do in my free time or my off time. 
But I've always had a passion to use my creativity to make a difference in my community. And um, I saw abuse growing up in my home, thought that Mm. it was normal, thought that it was okay. Um, I didn't really think much of it. And as I continued to get older and realized that what we were experiencing wasn't normal, it wasn't right or okay, um, it's just something that really touches my heart and hits home for me. Um, So if I can use my creativity to maybe speak into the life of a young person that is thinking the same things I was thinking when I was in high school or middle school, um, I want to do it. I want to get out there. I want to bring that awareness. I didn't have anybody coming into my school talking about what a healthy relationship was and that I was worthy of a healthy relationship, and now I have the opportunity to do that. Yeah, that's great. Um, It's interesting that you mentioned that because I wonder how many students, how many um, people in general are walking around thinking, I live in a normal atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, when I get hurt, everybody gets hurt. Yeah, it's normal. Well, and I think the thing about it is, is it's so glamorized in media that it looks okay. It looks normal. Well, I saw it on this TV show. So if they experienced it in TV, then it's okay for me to be experiencing it too. So I think that's another thing that we kind of are facing is that it's glamorized. Like there are so many shows where there are relationships and an individual is stalking another and it's almost romanticized. Mm -hmm. So going in and saying these are these warning signs that we can be looking out for and know that you're worthy of something so much more. Yeah. Uh, It's almost like the lines between reality and and made up is really starting to blur in our culture. 100%. And I think social media has a huge, Mm -hmm. huge... uh, Thing to play into that field as well. Um, just seeing all these things online, wanting to be whatever we see uh, instead of just striving for what we are. Right. Now, you're a Christ follower, which mm-hmm. brings another dimension to this. And um, I know the statistics in churches are not great. And I think a lot of us look around our churches on Sunday and, oh, what nice people. <laughs> this couldn't possibly be happening. Um, but boy, that'd be a naive way to look at it, wouldn't it? It would, but it's how kind of, I think we all think that, right? You know, like I was We want to think the best. We want to think the best. And even in my own personal story, like we were attending church at the time that we were experiencing abuse and it was something that our church family also didn't want to believe. Like this couldn't be happening. Just try and do whatever you can to make it work. Stay as long as you need to. And so statistically, like one in three women and one in four men experience some form of abuse in their lifetime. So if you haven't experienced abuse yourself, somebody you know has, Mm -hmm. a family member, somebody on the worship team, somebody sitting next to you in the pew, somebody that you know has experienced abuse, whether they have disclosed it to you or not. So the reality is, is it's happening. It's happening in our church. It's happening in our schools. It's happening in our own backyard. What can we be doing to prevent it? What can we do to raise awareness about it? And specifically within the church, It happens at the same rates as anywhere else, one in three women, one in four men. Before coming here, I was doing a little research, just wanting to kind of refresh in some of these statistics, and I saw that LifeWay in 2018 did a study, um, and they were able to find that one in four marriages within the Christian church have some form of abuse. Wow. And 30% of pastors within uh, the Christian faith don't think that physical or sexual abuse happens within their congregations. It's just not something that happens. And 70 to 75% of pastors say their policy, if they're encountered with abuse or they're disclosed that there's abuse happening, is that they direct everyone to marriage counseling, which is one of the worst things that we can do specifically when we're talking about situations of abuse. Um, 
and I'll get into that a yeah. little bit more in a yeah. moment, but because of these things, like just specifically thinking about our, I think what churches or people who are in the church believe that if I get divorced, it's something bad. If I do this, it's something bad. So I'm going to do what my pastor is telling me to try and make this marriage work, even though I'm being abused because I feel like it's what I need to do. So people within the church will end up staying in an abusive relationship on average, like three and a half years longer than somebody that wouldn't be of Christian faith. Um, And I think the biggest thing that we can do is just help provide education for individuals. Mm -hmm. Like the reason why marriage counseling isn't a good solution for people that are experiencing abuse is that victim, that person who is experiencing abuse, essentially has duct tape put over their mouth. They can't say anything. They don't have the ability to speak freely about what's truly happening. And then they know that because they've spoken out, because the abuser has been encountered, that means that they're going to be in more trouble once they go home. So they're going to do whatever they can to ensure that the abuser never finds out that they spoke about what they're experiencing. They're going to shut down more, keep keep everything inside, and never speak about what they're experiencing, mm-hmm. never reach mm-hmm. out because they don't know what's going to happen if they do. You don't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. So would a signal then be if um, I, I think there might be something going on with Mary and Joe, and I say, hey, you know, can we meet? And one of them is really saying, no, no, we can't do that. Or can I meet with someone by themselves? And the other's saying, no, you can't meet by yourself. Is that a, am I starting to get a signal now that something's off there? You very could be. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think abuse is so complex. Yeah. And oftentimes, you know, those who are choosing to use harm, the abuser, um, they want to make sure that they're keeping their their appearance really well. So they might say, yeah, let's have a conversation. Let's, let's have counseling together. Let's do this together. And they're going to do whatever they can to charm their way through to prove that there's nothing wrong. So mm-hmm. there, it could go either way in those right. sorts of situations. Yeah, and that's what makes it so difficult. And these, the stories I read about how um, victims come forward in churches – and are rebuffed by leadership. Nothing gets me more angry faster than when I read and hear those stories. Mm-hmm. If there ever was a place where someone should feel safe and heard um, by their shepherds, should be in a church. Mm-hmm. But yet you hear these terrible stories of, of women being told to go back and obey your husband. Uh, it's your fault. And um, and then men, I'm sure, feel like I can't say anything to anybody because I'm supposed to be the leader. For sure. And, you know, and so it's sad that the church should be safe, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And um, what can what can leaders do in a church to create an atmosphere where someone is free mm-hmm. to express this concern that if it's going on in their lives? Yeah. I would say the first thing is to know that, one, give yourself grace as a leader. You do not have to be the domestic abuse professional. Like, you are doing so much as a leader of a church. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be the domestic abuse professional. That's why organizations like Southern Valley Alliance exist. But you do have an obligation as a leader to know what your community's resources are and know those people by name have that one-on-one warm relationship. So if somebody does come forward and disclose that they're experiencing abuse or trafficking or anything, Mm -hmm. you know exactly who has the information that you can go to and say, I 
can walk through this with you, but I'm not the professional and I know somebody that I can introduce you to if you're ready, when you're ready, giving them the choice to be able to make that decision. Um, The next big thing would be providing education for all of your staff. It goes so Mm. much beyond just being a pastor because Youth pastors need this information. People who are in kids' ministry need this information. Your worship leaders should have this information. It's an entire staff should be educated on what are these warning signs of abuse? What do we do if somebody discloses? Because in a church community, in a church family, you have such strong relationships. And people are five times more likely to reach out to somebody within their church before ever coming to an organization like ours. Mm -hmm. So you really are the front line of being able to provide services, being able to provide resources and prevention education. But we have to be able to admit it might be happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you said that, you know, most pastors wouldn't think that it would be happening in their church. It's so easy to fall into that trap. Super easy. Everybody's got their masks on, right? 100%. And then they do a good job of acting. Mm-hmm. And 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 the scary part is that, you know, you might have uh, people on your board, uh, it, you might have your staff involved with mm-hmm. this, it's true. and um, and they're not going to likely be quick to, you know, to say something because there's so much to lose. And in the church, I think you're talking about relationships. You know, it's almost like uh, back in Bible times when someone would get thrown out of the synagogue. You know, their whole life would. Would, would change, and so they people lived in fear of these Jewish leaders. And though it's it's not as pronounced and as organized as that, there is a, a unspoken, wow, if I say something, I'm going to be judged. I'm going to be ostracized, right? And sometimes it happens, mm-hmm. which is the sad part about it. Which it shouldn't. The no. church is called to be the place to live life. Yeah. To live life, and life is messy. Life is messy. And so we should be able to be there together as a church, no matter what that mess looks like, and say, you know, we're going to get through this, no matter what it looks like. It's going to be messy, but we've got these things. We've, we're a team. You're not going to do it alone. Yeah, and you have to trust the power of the Holy Spirit yeah. to walk you through it as yeah. well. Um, why do you think, this might be an opinion question, and you can, you know, put a disclaimer out there like we sure. do on social media, <laughs> opinions are my own. Um it shouldn't be the same statistics in a church as it is outside the church. Pastor Paul will be back with Katie in just a minute on the Life Support Podcast. Uncomfortable topics like this one on domestic abuse are discussed. It's about trauma. And if you'd like to dig deeper and learn how you can better come alongside those who suffer, log on to lifesupportresources.org. That's lifesupportresources.org. O-R-G. All resources are offered at no cost to you, and all you have to do is register. And now back to Pastor Paul. Um, why do you think that the numbers are the same? Because Is it because people are people? Yes, 100%. Yeah. People are people. People are people. And abuse specifically is a learned behavior and a choice. So anyone can learn that behavior and anyone can choose to use those behaviors. So it doesn't matter where you come from or what you've experienced in your life. If it's something that you've learned or seen as normal and seen as okay, then you might think that it's normal and okay and it's okay to do. So I think it's just people are people and we're flawed. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, My guest is Katie Shalman from Southern Valley Alliance. We're talking about 
uh, domestic violence, domestic abuse, and so glad you're here. Um, how how do I? How does someone listening right now know that they aren't an abuser? Nobody has a perfect marriage. It's true. Um, we have flare-ups with our kids. You know, teenagers drive you love them, mm-hmm. drive you crazy. How do you know you're not an abuser? It's a really good question. And I think the really important thing to state, just like you did, is 100% of us are going to do unhealthy things. The thing that really makes the difference is being able to recognize that something was unhealthy and having conversations about, hey, I said this, you know, I was a little out of line there. I'm really sorry. Can we have a conversation about it? This is where I'm coming from. I want to give you the space to be able to share where you're coming from and have that open, mm-hmm. honest dialogue. For people who are choosing to use harm and choosing to use abuse, they don't have that. They just want that power and control always. So they'll never open up to repentance, or if they do, it'll be for the purpose of manipulation or control. Mm -hmm. 100%. Mm -hmm. So if you're actually asking the question and and you're experiencing remorse and you're having the conversation, then uh, you may may need to get help from someone, but you're – you're not a serial abuser or something like that. Right. Because um, that is scary, you know, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, our, our hearts are wicked. You know, the Bible tells us that. And um, we live in a high-pressure society, especially through COVID, you know, where we are all in the same house for mm-hmm. forever and ever and ever yeah. and ever. Yeah, and increased ever. risk for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that um, it is important to keep asking that question. If mm-hmm. um, if someone is in their home and they're listening right now and they're saying, you know, I wonder if I am being abused. I, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. Um, how would you help them assess whether they are an abuse victim or not? Yeah, for sure. So the best thing that we can do is really understand what abuse is. So abuse is that constant need for having power and control over another individual by any means necessary. And so once we understand that abuse is being done by somebody that has that need for power and control, we can start looking at things in our lives of, you know, asking ourselves question, does this person ever do X, Y, or Z? Does this person ever do, um, do they make me feel this certain way? I'm trying to think of like there are all these resources and lists of questionnaires yeah. and things that you can mm-hmm. take. Um, but you should never feel intentionally like your partner or anyone in your life is putting you down intentionally, um, physically harming you in any way or forcing you or guilting you to do things that you don't want to do. So if you're constantly thinking like, I feel like I have to do this because of the things that they're saying, because they're making me feel guilty or they're manipulating these situations. That could be indicators that either you're experiencing something healthy or abusive, but for sure if it's ever crossed that threshold of being something that's physical, physical, excuse me, that's a, an immediate cause for like what is happening, Yeah, what can I be doing? But I would say if you're questioning, like, I don't even know if what I'm experiencing is unhealthy, there are resources online, like going to the National Domestic Abuse Hotline, which is, um, now I'm like blinking on all these websites. No, that's okay. You can um, Google it and, and find Yeah, the things. National Domestic Abuse Hotline, loveisrespect.org is a really great resource, specifically geared towards teens, and onelove.org is also geared towards teens. Um, but I feel like they lay out, what are those, like, 
healthy things that we should be striving for in all relationships, whether it's a romantic relationship, relationship with friends, family members, whatever it is. What are the things that we should be striving Mm -hmm. for in every relationship that we have? And what are these unhealthy characteristics that we can be choosing to navigate towards that healthy side of the spectrum before it escalates to something abusive? And being cognizant ourselves of how are other people treating me? Is this something that I'm okay with? Right. And if I'm not okay with being treated that way, um, really want to encourage you and empower you to have conversations and let people know how you're feeling. Like, I'm not okay when you speak to me that way or use those words towards me. And another big indicator is if you don't feel comfortable having those types of conversations out of fear of what might happen, that could also be an indicator Mm -hmm. that you are experiencing that power imbalance and are experiencing abuse. That's helpful. And it's okay to ask those questions. You're not a bad Christian for asking those questions about your spouse or about someone in your home. And I think that's another issue that's in play too, you know. Mm-hmm. We're we're taught to we're taught to have these, you know, servant based relationships, which is biblical, mm-hmm. but uh it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to wonder. And um it's okay to to seek out help if you don't know. It's not, you know, Jesus um, is with you, you know, he'll help you. Mm-hmm. And the last thing he wants is for one of his children to be treated that way. It's not okay. Exactly. And I think in addition to that, it's okay to know your worth. Yeah, right. To know that you're worthy mm-hmm. of being happy and in a healthy relationship. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and there's several examples, of course, we know in Scripture where Jesus uh, went to the side of the oppressed and and really stared down the uh, oppressors mm-hmm. and didn't have any problem doing that. All right, so uh, Southern Valley Alliance, tell me about that and yeah. tell me about the services you offer there. Yeah, so Southern Valley Alliance has been serving the communities of Carver and Scott Counties here in Minnesota for over 40 years. We were founded by a woman named Maxine Krushke. She herself was a survivor of domestic abuse and took it upon herself thinking if I'm experiencing abuse in my rural community, there's got to be other individuals experiencing abuse. And so she formed Southern Valley Alliance for Battered Women in the kitchen of her home. Fast forward 40 years, um, in 2020, we changed our name from Southern Valley Alliance for Battered Women to Southern Valley Alliance, recognizing that anyone can experience abuse. Men, women, no matter how you identify, people can experience abuse. But then also bringing awareness that physical battery isn't the only form of abuse. So we took that for battered part out of our name as well. Um, But yeah, I've been providing those services for over 40 years, and we have a wide range of services that we do provide from a 24-hour free and confidential crisis line that anyone can call, whether you're experiencing abuse, questioning those unhealthy aspects of your relationship, what what can Mm -hmm. I do, how can I steer that towards that healthy side of the spectrum, Um, or if you're just a concerned family member or friend, pastor, faith leader, neighbor that has questions on how you can make a difference in the community. That's what our crisis line is for. But then we also go beyond that into support groups and helping file for things like harassment restraining orders and orders for Mm -hmm. protection Mm -hmm. and walking through that entire court process with individuals as it can be extremely confusing and ensuring that their rights are upheld. Um, Uniquely in Scott and Carver County, so the community that we serve, there is no domestic abuse shelter. There's also no homeless shelter. So it's Mm -hmm. a huge barrier that we face as Mm -hmm. an organization on a daily basis. Um, But a few ways that we kind of get around that are able to bridge that gap, we provide emergency hotel stays. So we apply for a lot of grants to be able to have the funding to put people up in short-term hotel stays, provide transportation, 
and do further safety planning with them um, in those situations or talking with an individual and seeing if shelter is the best fit for that individual, if that is truly where they want to go, if that works best for them. Um, We're part of Minnesota Day One, which is a great website that I encourage everyone to go to. It lists all of the agencies across the state of Minnesota. So we are in partnership with them, can call and know which agencies have beds available, how many, and provide transportation. Oh, I touched the microphone. No, you're fine. We we touch the (laughs) microphone all the time. Don't worry. Um, Provide transportation to shelter that way. Um, And then we recently in May launched a new transitional housing program. So for individuals that we've been working with for a little while and are kind of ready to get back out on their feet, have an opportunity, we um, put them up in an apartment complex within our community. We pay for that apartment for six to 12 months and do additional needs assessments. How? What are some other ways that we can help you? Do you have a bank account? Have you ever been able to have one before? Do you know how to balance a checkbook? Like those kinds yeah. of things, you know, helping mm-hmm. people really get back out on their feet. And then after that time, they have the opportunity to fully take over that lease, keep all of the furniture that has been in the apartment, and then that's their new home. Wow, that's so, great. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, lots of different things that we're able to provide yeah. and do. And a website address. Yeah, svamn.org. Okay. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, And thank God you. bless you. You guys are doing some great work, and I appreciate it very much. Thank you very much. Um, and you know what? You might be listening right now and feeling like um, you're in a situation where you have no hope and you're kind of wondering – you know, where is God in all of this? I thought of Psalm 119, 114, where the Bible says, You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. And just know that God is walking with you right now. And the, some of the resources that Katie's laid out may be a place where you want to go. But don't ever doubt that God is seeing, God cares, and that uh, you're not in a place where he can't reach in and help you. I want to thank our sponsors uh, for our show. We thank Faith Radio at MyFaithRadio.com for this platform. You can see a video version of this podcast at FiveStoneMedia.com. You can check us out here at Ridgewood Church at MyRWC.org. And thank you so much for listening to Life Support. Life Support is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. for listening to this life support podcast these conversations are available because of listener support you can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com to avoid missing future editions of life support subscribe to the podcast today at itunes or your podcast player and thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support